My name is Alex Barthet. I am a board certified construction attorney. Uh, we handle construction cases throughout the state. And today we're going to talk about lien releases generally and the one thing you need to know before you sign that next release. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. Let's talk about um, the release forms that typically exist. Um, so the forms that, that are floating around really depend on um, who you're contracting with and uh, where you fall in the construction process. Um, so if you're a GC, the form that you're gonna use with your subs is gonna be different than if you're a sub and the form that you'd like to give to your GC. Um, and we're gonna talk about those. What you wanna keep in mind is generally speaking, you wanna give the narrowest release possible when you get a check and you wanna get a broad release when you give a check. And I'm gonna describe in more detail what narrow and broad mean, but in essence, understand that you have lots of rights as you perform construction work. And the release is intended to uh, release those rights typically through a period of time. Now you can release some of your rights, um, a lot of your rights, or all of your rights. So when you release just a few of your rights, that, that would be considered a narrow release. And when you release lots of your rights or all of your rights, that's a broad release. So as an example, when you're a contractor and you're giving a sub a check, you want to make that you get the broadest release possible. You don't want the sub to come back later and say, um, yeah, I gave you a lien release, but I have all of these delay claims and extended general condition claims that I never released every month. Um, you want to make sure that when you give a check during that month that those claims are released. Um, and the converse is true for a sub. You want to make sure that if you can give the fewest amount of rights up every time you get a check, that that's what you do. Um, so let's take a look at what is considered the default release, which is the release that's found in Florida Statute Chapter 713. So here is the release form that is in Chapter 713. This is the partial release and uh, waiver form. And notice that it has two spots that uh, are most important. So number one is the amount of money that you're getting and number two is the date that the released the release is effective through um, now if we compare that to a final release so let's take a look at the 713 final release form <clears throat> you'll notice that it has uh, it's very similar and except it only has one spot uh, it doesn't have a through date it only has the date where you are going to put in the amount of money that you are getting. The reason is, is that it's effective on the day that you execute it. So the final release is intended to be uh, effective uh, of releasing all of your rights for that amount of money through the date that you sign it. Now, 713 releases, the statutory release forms, are forms of release that only release lien rights. So let's take a look at another release um, and as you can tell already, it's, it's already much longer than the other forms. And, and we're going to walk through this so you understand 
what the where the major differences are. So number one is that this release says ten dollars. Um, generally speaking, the fact that a release says ten dollars is fine. It is still an enforceable release, so that's okay. Um, but as a contractor uh, or anyone that is giving checks and getting releases, um, you want to make sure that you use $10 if you could. Now, if you are getting a check and giving a release, you'd like to list the amount of money that you're getting. The reason that that's important is because you want to make sure that no one can argue later that you gave up more rights for less money. And again, I'll explain what that means in a little more detail. So the, the real crux of this release is in the additional items that are being released. So if you look at what's getting released, it says that in consideration of the amount above, that the undersigned releases its lien rights, uh, as well as any claims, change orders, works, materials, delays, fees, costs, losses, expenses, damages, or sums uh, for the labor, services, and materials furnished uh, for the improvements. So notice that the string of items that are being released is much longer than in a, a normal release, a statutory release. So what does this mean? This means that if you sign a release that looks like this, and most general contractor and owner releases are like this because they want you to give up all of your rights, you are giving up um, any claims for uh, additional fees for changes, for, for change orders that may not be uh, for possible delay claims, extended overhead uh, that you may want to argue about later. So understand that, that this broader release is, is giving up a lot more rights. So you need to read the releases before you sign them and know what you're giving up. It also has a through date, um, just like the other releases, because this is a, a progress release. So it has the date that you're releasing your rights through. So if you agree to a form of a release in your contract, or the contract says something like you agree to a form that, uh, that we may give you later, so you agree to sign the form that's acceptable to us, then you may be bound to use that form later. Uh, so understand that when you negotiate your contract with an owner or contractor, or even as a sub-sub with a sub, that the form of release that's attached as an exhibit to the contract um, you need to look at that as well. So not, not only the terms and conditions, not only the scope of work, but all of the exhibits, um, which include the release forms. So if you don't like the release forms that are part of the, uh, the contract, you need to modify them at the time of the contract, because if not, then you won't be able to argue later that, well, I don't want to sign a release in this form because I have other claims that I want to assert, so I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not willing to release them. But if you sign a contract that says that you will uh, use that form, then you have to. So let's talk about the one thing that you need to do with every release, no matter what. And that is you need to absolutely positively match the through date with the dollars that you are getting. Um, every progress release has uh, an amount of money that's being presented and a through date that the release is effective through you need to understand that the through date is the effective date of the release. It's not the amount of money. We have lots of clients that tell us, no, 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 it's okay. 
I know that I'm expecting a $50,000 check and they're only paying me 40, but I submitted it with my pay app that says 50. So even though I signed the release through the end of the month and I got a check for 40, I'm, I'm still entitled to the 10. And that is not true. The effective date of the release, what is gonna govern between the amount of money and the date, the through date, is the through date. So if you look at a release that you're being asked to sign and you're expecting a $50,000 check to get you to the end of the month and they are only giving you a $40,000 check, you have two options. Option one is to uh, change the date of the release so, well, if 50 got me to the end of the month, then I look at my invoices and, um, and my billings, 40,000 gets me to the 22nd of the month. So you need to change the through date. To alternatively, if you're not going through date, then you need to change everything so that you get the $50,000. Because if you're not going to get $50,000 to the end of the month and you sign a release with a through date through the end of the month, you will lose all of your rights and your lien rights through the through date. So again, remember, uh, as between the through date and the dollars, it's the through date that, that matters most. So let's talk about conditional releases because this is a question that comes up on a very regular basis. Um, a conditional release is any release that is conditioned on actually receiving the money that you're expecting. So let's take a look at, at a sample language that you can include in any release. You can handwrite it, um, you can uh, type it in, it doesn't matter as long as it's in there. And it says, notwithstanding anything to the contrary, this waiver and release is conditioned upon and not effective until the undersigned receives paid funds of, and there's a blank. So if you're expecting a $50,000 check, and you provide a release in advance of getting the money, if you put this language in and say $50,000 in that blank, then until you get the 50,000, that release is not effective. You have to be careful for releases that are titled conditional, but when you read the document, they are in fact not conditional. So the title of the document by itself does not govern how it works. What matters is what's in the body of the document. So we have seen releases that are titled conditional releases, but when you read them, they're not conditional at all. So you need to make sure that you read them and it has language that is expressly conditioned, that expressly conditions the release on you receiving the money that you are expecting. Know that under no circumstances can you have a conditional release for $10, unless in fact you're only expecting $10. But if you're expecting a $20,000 check and it's a conditional release, but the condition of the release is that, uh, that you get paid the amount that's in the release and it only says $10, well, that, then that's not a good conditional release because it's only conditioned on you actually getting $10. Um, as a general contractor, you need to watch out for conditional release for sub subs or suppliers to your subs. And the reason is, is that as a GC, you can accept a conditional release from your direct subs and direct vendors because condition. You are uh, writing them a check and they're giving you a release so you know the condition is satisfied. But if you're the general contractor and you hire an electrician and the electrician has an electrical supply house 
and they give you a conditional release. The supply house gives you a conditional release with the electrician's release. If you give the electrician the money and the electrician does not give the money to the supply house, you're holding a release that's conditioned on the supply house getting the money, but you don't know that they ever got the money. So you may find yourself in a position where you've given the money expecting it to get to the supply house. It doesn't get there. You look at your release, it's conditioned so it has no force and effect in your favor. Um, and now you may have to pay twice. So the, the project may get leaned um, and the owner is going to expect you to bond it off. You may have a bond on the job. So as a result, you need to uh, deal with that uh, and probably have to pay twice because the supply house um, has all the rights uh, to make a claim on your bond or lien the project un until they get an effective release. And a conditional release that doesn't have the condition satisfied by them getting the money is no good. So be very careful about that. Thank you very much for your time. I hope you found this useful and I hope to see you all next month.